Good morning, Cornerstone. I wanted to be uh, transparent here and honest with you so you know what's uh, kind of going on behind the scenes. Uh, we have a friend here with us. His name's Pete, and uh, he's having some stroke-like symptoms, so we've got an ambulance on the way. We have someone with Pete right now, so it's all right. Uh, but I uh, just want to kind of let you guys know in case you see a little bit of action out there uh, that it's all under control. We've got, we've got uh, some, some folks coming. So but let's, uh, let's pause. We'll, we'll say a prayer uh, for Pete and, and ask God uh, to, to be with him through this. And, and that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to just uh, pause and ask for your, uh, your healing and for your touch. Uh, that you'll, Lord, that you'll just uh, be with the ambulance crew, the EMTs. We pray that you'll just uh, guide and lead uh, them. And I pray that you, you'll bring them healing. And Father, we are, we are grateful uh, that you hear our prayer and ask your will to be done. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in a, a sermon series uh, that just began today uh, called The Fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and uh, what I'd like to be able to do is talk about how God is transforming our lives into this different fruit. And uh, so let's begin with talking about John chapter 21, if you will, with me. You see, it was Passover. Passover was one of the, the major feasts that Jews celebrated Jesus and his disciples found a room that could hold their whole crew for this cherished meal. And from all that we can tell, it seems like a nice change for the disciples, right? They had probably spent many nights by themselves huddled around a campfire with Jesus over the last three years. There are times that that was tough. But this seemed nice, and it seemed special. We're told that an argument arose. I wonder if the disciples were discussing one of Jesus' sermons on the kingdom of heaven. Someone must have proclaimed, I am the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then they began to argue. And once again, Jesus had to get his disciples back on track. This time, after he explained the humility of the kingdom of heaven, the first will be last, be like children, etc. He turns to Peter and he warns him. He says, Satan is trying to sift you like wheat. But Peter proclaims boldly, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and even to death. Oh, Peter. Poor, poor Peter. We know the rest of the story, right? Jesus, later that evening, would be arrested and Peter would run and deny he ever knew Jesus three times. It was three times that Peter escaped ridicule, prison, 
and death by denying he ever even knew Jesus. Three times. And Peter disappears for three days. We don't see him at the crucifixion, and we don't hear about him until after the resurrection. He denies Jesus three times and then, and then disappears. In chapter 21 of John's gospel, we're told that the resurrected Christ appears, and Peter and John race to see him. They jump out of their boat, and they see who can swim the fastest to Jesus, and they have lunch with Jesus there on the shore. Peter, John, and two other disciples. At the end of the meal, Jesus gets up and he says, Peter, let's take a walk. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And, and Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you were dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but now that you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that, G that Peter would glorify God. And he said, follow me. The pre-resurrected Jesus with Peter. Peter is arrogant. He thinks very highly of himself. I'm sure he was in the mix about who was the greatest, right? But his statement to Jesus was so confident, wasn't it? I'll go to jail for you. I would die for you. But that proved to be lip service. And when push came to shove, Peter caved and he ran. I had a story once of David Thoreau, who wrote the essay, Civil Disobedience, an argument for disobedience to an unjust state. He once refused to pay his toll tax to a state that supported slavery. Thoreau's good friend, Ralph Waldo Emerson, hurried to visit him in jail. Peering through the bars, Emerson exclaimed, why, Henry... What are you doing in there? And Thoreau replied, Nay, Ralph, the question is, what are you doing out there? You see, Peter was unwilling to pay the cost of following Jesus. And when push came to shove, 
All he had was lip service. And so, Jesus asked Peter these questions in a very crucial way. He says, do you love me more than these? There's been much said about these. What is Jesus referring to? Was he referring to the fishing that he was just doing? Do you love me more than fishing? Was he referring to his life in general? Do you love me more than life? But I wonder if Jesus was referring to the argument the night before. Peter spoke so boldly about his love and devotion to Jesus. He was the only one that stood up, Jesus, I'm willing to die for you. And so maybe Jesus was asking him, do you really love me more than the others? Do you still love me enough to die? My family and I, we love the musical written by Lynn manuel Miranda called Hamilton. This musical is based on the biography of Alexander Hamilton written by Ron Chernow. Miranda writes a fun song early in the musical that gives a fictitious exchange between General George Washington and Alexander Hamilton. Young Hamilton was ready to fight in the war, to lead an army, but the wise general wanted Hamilton to work as a secretary, writing letters to Congress. And here's the line. It says, it's all right, you want to fight, you've got a hunger. I was just like you when I was younger, head full of fantasies of dying like a martyr. And Hamilton says, yes. And Washington says, dying is easy, young man. Living is harder. And I think, ultimately, Jesus made it clear that night he was arrested that he did not want his followers to die that night. He protected them, asking them to lay down their swords. And they ran and they hid. And I think the love that Jesus wanted his disciples to give was an obedience love, a loyalty love. Will you live for him? Peter gave none of that. And so Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? And, and Peter's response, it was so simple, right? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know it. Now, don't get it caught up in the Greek here, friends. I don't believe there's any intent by John for us to get caught up in agape versus phileo. You know is what we should get hung up on. If Peter had said that to me, you know that I love you, I would say, oh yeah, Peter? Didn't you deny me three times? Haven't you been hiding out this last week? But I think the you know there speaks to a deeper confidence that Peter has that Jesus is in fact God and knows his heart. Peter really does deeply love Jesus. And he's honestly not sure how he can show it. It is here 
that I expect Jesus to say the line that we love and memorized, right? It's found in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, in fact, Jesus said these very words to Peter in their time together. But this isn't what Jesus says here. When he says, do you love me more than these? Peter's answer was, yes, Lord, you sh- you, truly you know that I love you. And Jesus' response here is not, well, then go take up your cross and follow me. In fact, he says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. Now, before we address what that means, let's look at the fact that Jesus asked him three times. Peter was hurt. He was grieved because of it. Because I think it dawns on Peter that Jesus is now restoring him. He's hurt. Because Jesus has opened up a wound, made him, in fact, meet his traumatic experience head on. Peter denied Jesus three times, and now he confesses his allegiance to Jesus three times. It hurts, but ultimately it restores him. And Jesus is not letting him give just an off-the-cuff response. He says, feed my lamb. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Truly loving Jesus. Listen to this. Truly loving Jesus means that we truly love other people. One of my favorite authors passed away this past week. Timothy Keller. He gives this definition of the fruit of the Spirit, love. To serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings to you. The love that we find in the fruit of the Spirit. To serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what the person brings to you. Feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. In order for Peter to truly love Jesus, he needed to truly love his neighbor as himself. And then Jesus ends his conversation by saying, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. Those promises you made to me in the upper room, they're going to come true. You're going to be crucified. But in the meantime, truly love your neighbor. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we walk by the Spirit of Christ, 
we will naturally bear fruit that creates in us a new life that reflects Jesus where we live, where we work, where we play. I want to wear the fruit of love. And this story of Peter is a good way for us to see how Jesus wants us to love, to wear the fruit of love. You see, our sinful nature is in conflict with this kind of love. Our sinful nature wants to protect ourselves. Our sinful nature wants to abuse others. Sometimes even, our sinful nature will act in a counterfeit way, won't it? Where we love a person that helps us feel better, or even look better, or receive more. That's why I love that Jesus said, feed my sheep. I love that he said, feed my lamb. Because it's a great way to describe the fruit of love being where we serve others for their good and intrinsic value, not for what they bring to us. Sheep can't bring us anything. Lambs don't bring us any benefits. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit will work in your life to give you opportunities to love those who need love in an unselfish way. John MacArthur once said, the Spirit's provision of fruit might be compared to a man who is standing on a ladder and he's picking apples from an orchard. And he drops those apples down and there's a servant underneath that tree with a bucket and he's catching those apples. And he's catching those apples. And it doesn't matter how much fruit is picked And it doesn't matter how much fruit is dropped. The helper will not receive it unless he's standing under that ladder with a basket ready. Friends, do you have your basket ready? Are you ready to receive the fruit of love? I love the Sunday before Memorial Day because it transitions into the love that Jesus Christ pours out in such a practical way. Those who have died for our country so that we can meet here freely, not selfish. It's not to receive any honor. It's just a pure kind of love. And it reminds us every time that Jesus pours out that love, right? When we gather around the table and we take those emblems and we hold the bread and we hold the juice, we are reflecting on a body that was broken and blood that was shed in a free way poured out for you. It's a demonstration of feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. A love poured out that we then can share with others. As we take communion this morning, I invite you to go to one of the three stations that are set up and take your cups. 
invite you to hold those cups while we sing this next song, and then we'll take the emblems together. Let's pray together, please. Father, I just have to say thank you for the love that you showed on the cross. I'm just so grateful for your grace that though we are sinners, we have found our rescue in you. And I pray, Father, that as we reflect on that love, that you will transform our lives, that we can be that kind of love with our neighbors. That we could take this directive you gave to Peter and live it out in our own lives. That we can love those who can't give us love back, or we can love those who just need it in the moment, that our eyes will be open in those moments that we can truly love just like you loved us. And so as we gather around communion, we reflect giving you glory and honor. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.